Today's reading is Mark chapter 16, verses 1 through 8. It can be found on page 941 of the Bibles next to your seats, as well as up on the screen. This is God's word. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him? But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. The word of the Lord. I invite you to pray with me. Our God of grace, the tradition, the tradition of your church for hundreds and hundreds of years has been to um, open our ears and desire to listen for how you might be speaking through your word, through the scriptures, through the stories of Jesus, and through Jesus himself. And so now as we turn towards these words of hope and resurrection and new life, we pray that you truly speak to us and find us exactly where we are living, where we are journeying, where we are struggling, where we are celebrating and speak into our lives. As a community of City Life Church, we are on a 10-year journey. This is our 10th Easter celebration. And as we journey this year towards more and more growing up as a church, we pray that these words would speak into our journey as a community today. And as we sit here in these chairs, we may think, uh, wow, we're, we're just, we're, we don't fit in. We don't belong. We're, we have a different story than everybody else. We don't have the kind of faith these people nearby us who are singing have. But the truth is, everybody's feeling that way in one way or another. We have all these different journeys, different struggles, different things we bring to the table. And the truth is, we're all more of a mess than we care to admit. Every single one of us is in need of your grace. And if maybe we can admit that, even just inside ourselves, we can be awake to hear the story of grace that comes to us all the time through these pages and every week here at City Life, that we are, even though we're a mess, we are more loved and accepted in Christ than we ever imagined. Speak to us now through that grace with resurrection hope. In Jesus' name, amen. What's, what are some of the last movies that you guys have watched? Lady Bird? Yeah? I, I could kind of hear that, but I'm sure everybody else, I don't even know that movie. What is it? Ready Player One. Ready Player One, that's right. Okay, yeah. That one seems exciting. I can only imagine. 
Any other movies you guys have seen lately? Fences. Black Panther. Yeah? People see Black Panther. We were watching, um, we were kind of troubled and disturbed when we watched a little bit of the Oscars a while back that this bizarre looking movie called, I think it's The Shape of Water, that it won all these awards and, and Lady Bird, the Sacramento movie, didn't get anything. Um, and so eventually, um, my wife and I and a friend, we watched, uh, one night we watched The Shape of Water at home. And I was, in terms of movie watching, I was in the zone. I was on. It was, it was like I was pointing things out that no one else was seeing. I mean, I'm usually not like this, but I, I don't know what it was. I was onto this movie. I was seeing the themes. I was guessing things correctly. There was a crucial scene where, like, there's one little thing that just kind of, I won't do a spoiler, but there was, like, there's, like, a little aha moment, and, like, I totally called it, like, five seconds before it happened. You know, I'm saying these things out loud as we watch the movie. I don't know if any of you ever shouted out at characters or, yeah, you've done this, especially with scary movies. You're shouting out, no, 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 not the closet, you know. Um, well, I was speaking out as I watched this movie. Um, this story today has some of that, especially when you get to the end, where you want to shout out at the story. You want to, you want to, you don't feel quite right about how it's happening, how it's ending. You want to, you want to, Call it out on a few different things. There's two ways that you kind of want to shout at this story. And the first is that you want to shout at the women. Because they've just been told that Jesus is alive. We're looking at this on Easter Sunday. Sunday, So we know that the reason we're here is that, you know, this was good news. And we're still celebrating it today. We come with that little kind of, that hindsight view. And we look at them and we're like, what is wrong with you? Why are you not celebrating? He's alive. And the story's ending with them trembling and bewildered, and they're fleeing, and they're afraid. And, you know, that's it. And we want to shout out at them, don't you get it? This is good news. Put on a smile. And then the other thing you want to do, if you kind of think of it as, we don't always do this, but when you're reading the Bible, thinking of it as something that was actually written by a person, a telling of what happened, um, so you want to kind of shout out at the person who wrote it, Mark. And they've, as we've ta- dealt with this, um, this book a little bit, we've learned that Mark is often telling through the lens of the stories of Peter. It seems like Mark was a companion of Peter, so Mark was writing down Peter's version of the story. So you, you're either mad at Peter or you're mad at Mark, and you're saying, come on, you don't end a story this way, right? Did you see the final word? What's the last word of this story? Anybody see it? Afraid. Afraid. <laughs> They were afraid. So please, you know, you say to the writer, please don't end it this way. And the other thing about it is, you don't even catch this, but Galilee is like to Jerusalem. They're in the Jerusalem area. And Galilee to that is like saying, is like downtown San Diego to Anaheim. Um, it's, it's, and Jesus is in Anaheim and they're in San Diego. And it's like, go, go to him. And it's like, well, okay, we're on foot. That's a two-day journey, you know? What, what is going on? Jesus is far, far away, and they're afraid, and the resurrection doesn't really seem to be catching with them. And for centuries on end, though, um, probably at least 19, 18, 1900 years, people who have been hearing and reading this story actually haven't been shouting out at the story. Why? Because somewhere in the second century, as I just read earlier, somebody 
changed the story. Someone added to it. They were as disturbed with the story as you and I are, and they just added a, a palatable section to it that made it, tidied it up and, and fixed it so that we could all say, okay, we got a smile at the end of the story. Good. Now we're done. And that's kind of how we are as, as people and as church people that we say when we run into things like this, we say, please, Bible, please, don't end the story this way. Don't let the last image of the church be these women, these powerless women being bewildered and confused and who are not in celebration mode. We want to celebrate. But this additional fabricated piece at the end of the story that now sits in Bibles all over the place is a testament to how uncomfortable you and I are with this kind of resurrection story. And so the question today is, how does the resurrection of Jesus give hope when, and exactly when, fear and confusion seem to be winning? Let me say that again. How does the resurrection give you and I hope when fear and confusion seem to be winning? And we seem, as um, the writer of Corinthians said, we seem to be looking at things through a glass darkly. And one, one uh, theologian named Cutter Calloway from uh, Fuller Seminary put it this way, faith is post-traumatic. Faith is always post-traumatic. Everything we do is post-trauma, and we are re-traumatized every day. If Jesus isn't speaking to that trauma, then why are we here? And so against much of our best wish wishes and our desires to plaster on shallow smiles, we declare today that perhaps we need this kind of resurrection story, one that ends with, they said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. We're going to sit with that ending. And if we sit with it long enough, maybe then we can, we can and if we imagine that is really the ending here in Mark that's intended, maybe we can begin to see the other things that are actually in it instead of being obsessed with what's not in the story. And there are three things that I want to point out very briefly that are in the story that we do need to hear in times of fear and confusion and bewilderment. And they give us a sturdy and stable hope. And those are, first, there's a word that's given to us. Um, there's an attempt that's made for us. And there's a call that we receive. So first of all, the word. And the word is Galilee. The women are told Jesus is in Galilee, and that's where they're to head. And see, the women actually, this word reminds us of something. Galilee. That's where Jesus did most of his ministry. That's where in the Gospel of Mark you see just tons and tons. You see this big concentration of Jesus doing all sorts of great things. These women are actually, as they are bewildered and confused now, they're actually aware of what resurrection looks like. They're aware of what the, the newness, the fixing, the world being healed, they're aware of what that looks like because they were with Jesus in the region of Galilee where he did most of his ministry, where he was going about doing things like repairing grief, healing wounds, 
reinstating outcasts and loving people like no one else would love them. And these women saw that. And Galilee is like this positive trigger word that brings to mind all of those things as they make their way towards Galilee. So what, what we have to remember is that the resurrection has already been displayed before these women, before Jesus even rose from the dead. And Jesus rising from the dead is simply this, you know, this final seal, you know, signed, sealed, and delivered. It's this final confirmation that with Jesus, what is happening is the world is beginning to be put back together. The repair work has already been happening. Go to Galilee for the next chapter is basically how these women hear this because of their experience in Galilee already. And if you haven't read the Gospel of Mark, I encourage you to because it's filled with these kinds of stories. It's actually fast-paced and quick and action-packed. It's everything you want in a book. But, but seriously, it really does, when you read the Gospel of Mark, especially if you did it kind of quickly, maybe in a day or in a week or something like that, you'd see like wham, bam, 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 these stories of power and healing and repair. And it's good for us to be familiar with what resurrection looks like. And those of you who are a Christian, I love kids in the service, by the way. So some of you are looking back and seeing the noise. Bring it on, kids, okay? It's okay. We're a, we're a family and kid-friendly service or a church, so um, amen, yes. So on the one hand, read the Gospel of Mark. Familiarize yourself with what resur resurrection looks like. Familiarize yourself with your own story. A lot of times we get swept up in the woe is me, look at my situation, I wish this was fixed, I wish that was fixed. Look at your life for a second and tell me that you can't find places where you see healing and repair. And if you haven't yet, just take some time and you'll find it. And you'll see places where God has been at work, where, where things have happened that others need to know about and be encouraged by. I get to hear all kinds of them. I could go on and on. Most of them aren't my stories to tell from up here, unfortunately. Familiarize yourself with the resurrection and renewal work that Jesus is doing already in your own life. So first of all, we're given a word. Second of all, we're given an attempt. An attempt is made for us, especially as Mark is writing this gospel story. An attempt is made to cite the sources and the witnesses of the events. To give us kind of the ancient Near Eastern first century version of scientific evidence. You know, where are the witnesses? What Mark does is something that, as you're reading a story, would normally be very strange. Is that in the, in the period of nine verses in chapter 15, at the end of 15 and into 16, three separate times he lists very carefully these women who are present at these events. One of the times only two of them were there. It's very specific. It's not just, yeah, and the same women, or yeah, there was people there. It was, it's, here are the names of the people, and what is going on there? It's very strange that you would do that in, this, in nine verses, these same names. It's repetitive. It's unusual, unless this is how you tell people you can go ask them. They're still alive. As the ancient uh, writers would tell stories, they would plant these names in the key moments. Another one is Joseph of Arimathea. He's mentioned in the Gospels as the one who carried, literally carried the dead body of Jesus. So you have someone who can say, oh yeah, there is no doubt. <laughs> I, 
I carried him. I did the, the rituals, the burial rituals. His body was dead. And then you have the women who, you know, you have the women and other people mentioned, the people who saw, oh, yeah, the tomb was empty. We went inside. You have all these witnesses throughout, and I could go on and on, and each year we often mention a few of these at City Life because we need this, quite frankly. We need something firm and solid, and it helps to know that from the beginning, attempts are being made to lay it out. I would put it this way. In a world of pain and death, the gospel writers and the gospel writers know that in a world of pain and death, we need more than a metaphor. And that's what they're trying to show. And then last, there's a call for us. If you pay attention to this story for what it is and don't try to put a different ending on it and you listen to it, you see that there's actually a call. And that call comes like this. See the place where they laid him, but go, tell his disciples to Peter, and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. You will see him just as I told you. The women are told to go. They're told to go and engage. This is a call to engage, to put your foot on the ground and make your way somewhere. These women, we read already um, in the Gospel of Mark, it's very clear from chapter 15 that they were present doing very important behind-the-scenes work to help the repair work that Jesus was up to during his ministry. They were a part of the renewal and the resurrection work that was already happening. And so they're being called once again. Don't linger here. There's nothing to see here. Go. Put your foot in the, on the dirt and start walking. There is something for you to do. Engage. Though confusion and fear pull on us, we have been called, along with these women, in a direction toward the repair work of Jesus. God's not satisfied with you just saying, okay, yeah, I believe this, and then staying right where you are. This is how Anne Lamott puts it. I love this quote. She says, but once an old woman at my church said, the secret is that God loves us exactly the way we are and that he loves us way too much to let us stay like this. And I'm just trying to trust that. We have a call, friends, to engage and to move forward. Jesus is out ahead of us. The repair work has begun. And maybe it's just comforting for you to know that we're talking about, we're not talking about all these kinds of things you expect from a church and a preacher like, like um, you know, everybody always brings up. Does this mean something about being a missionary or, you know, going to seminary? No, this is about where has God placed you? Where is there brokenness? Where is healing needed? Go. Go into those places. Put your feet on the ground and move into the pain, move into the brokenness. As Parker Palmer, a famous kind of educator and writer, as he put it, we're called as human beings to go and stand in the tragic gap. And that is the gap of this story that ends with the women bewildered and confused. You see the gap between that? They're bewildered and confused and afraid, and Jesus has risen from the dead. You see the gap? And that's our world we continue to live in today. And you could come up with, each of you, five different places you see that gap. Jesus is saying, go and stand in the tragic gap. And that's the kind of Easter hope that this story gives us. It's not 
you know, I know we want to put on the nice clothes on an Easter. We want to put on a, a, a pretty superficial smile and pretend we have everything together. But this is a story that's especially going to speak to you if you feel like you don't have it together and if you come with a lot of bewilderment, confusion, maybe anxiety and depression, and you just need to hear that there is something sturdy, tenacious that is going to be there for you and is going to lead you through where you are right now. Let us pray together. Our God of grace, may this, in fact, be something that is not just something we hear with our ears, but that we sense with our hearts because your Holy Spirit helps us. So fill us now and continue, even as we have a chance to come forward for the table of grace. Fill us with your Holy Spirit, and may we experience you as flowing into our lives with grace and with power and with newness. And may we imagine what that's going to be doing in the world around us. And then may we follow through and follow you into those places and put our feet on the ground and engage in the repair work that you've already started. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.